0: You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an
1: educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. You are listening to the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and this is Mindy Carney. Hello. Hello, Mindy. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good, I'm feeling a little bit better now that I've got all those Girl Scout cookies out of my house.
0: <laughs> How many boxes did you sell?
1: Yeah, I think she got somewhere around a hundred boxes, so she did pretty good. I mean, we are pleased with that, but we are also pleased that we are no longer a Girl Scout distribution center.
0: <laughs> I saw her really cute signs in the workroom. She must be very creative. they were adorable.
1: Yeah, she loves doing stuff like that. Do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie, Mindy?
0: I do. Actually, I have two. Um, my, I think my absolute favorite though is the peanut butter patties. And I eat them what I consider in rows. I don't eat them in one. I eat them in a row of five.
1: <laughs> I've got a strange picture in my head. It's like a, it's so, like a sliding typewriter of cookies going straight in your mouth. straight in. I'm like the yeah. cookie
0: monster. And, uh, we mm-hmm. had a box of them in the, um, in the pantry and my son gets them out and he he opens them up and he's like, Oh my gosh, where did all the girl scout cookies go? Mom. And I'm like, Tate, I don't know. And my husband of course is like, just be serious. You ate two rows last night. "Eh, I did. I did.
1: All right. So peanut butter patties. And the other one is,
0: um, caramel delights. Mm -hmm. Oh really? Yeah. I'm I'm a thin mints kind of guy. You are. I I am.
1: I read that thin mints are their best selling (laughs) cookie,
0: but you like mint.
1: I do like mint, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I learned some other things about Girl Scouts as well and the cookie thing. There are two bakeries that serve uh, cookies to different parts of the country. And, yeah, and actually depending on where you live, the cookies are actually called something different. What? I know. I think those peanut butter patties that you like are called tagalongs in certain places of the country. And in Iowa, at least here, we have what called the Caramel Delights. Yeah. I think they're co- or Caramel
0: or Caramel, depending on.
1: Caramel Delights. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's how it's pronounced properly. Um, oh,
0: of um, course. It's properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And in other parts of the country, they're called Samoas. Really? but I know. But they're basically the same cookie, uh-huh. you know, the caramel and coconut and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go.
0: Well, that's a, yeah, interesting fact. I feel like the Girl Scout cookies have gotten smaller over the years, though. And there aren't as many cookies in a row.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's really the truth right there. (laughs) I think there
0: used to be eight. Now there's only five.
1: Okay. Well, maybe, yeah.
0: Come on, Girl Scouts. Give us more cookies.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of giving us more things, let's uh, move on to more parts of the podcast here. We're going to do our top five at the beginning here. And this time we chose uh, five websites to learn about coding in the classroom. So something different we could take a look at here. Do You wanna start us off, Mindy?
0: Yeah, sure. If you don't know anything about coding, it can be maybe a little overwhelming or kind of scary. Mostly because I feel like as adults, we don't really know how to code. It's something that we never learned about. Although, shout out to Mr. Ryan way back when when I took a um, high school coding course terrible at it. It's terrible. It's passed by the skin of my teeth. But um, so as an adult, I think I was like, oh, coding. I'm not very good at coding. But if you're looking to get into coding, um, one of the places I started with my students was um, something called Codable. And Codable is apparently now on the web as well. So you can use it um, as a web tool or as an um, app. And you can set up accounts for your students. And then they just use your the class code. Um, and get in. And it's what I like about it is that it goes by levels. So students kind of prove what they're capable of doing, and then it um, moves them to the next level. And if I remember correctly, you can start different students at different levels. So it's an easy way to kind of differentiate. And um, they have great classroom lessons that uh, do some non-tech stuff. Um, So if you don't have a lot of technology in your classroom. It also gives you some ideas of things that you can do that uh, don't necessarily have to have a device in their hand, but it's more about the problem solving strategies that you need when you're coding. So that's a great one. And um, all of these links that we're going to mention, we'll definitely put in the show notes so you can find them quickly and easily.
1: So tell me about Mr. Ryan. Who's Mr. Ryan?
0: Oh, Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan um, was uh, my geometry teacher and also computer science teacher And um, both of those subjects were things that I was not very good at, but I dearly loved Mr. Ryan and um, he would sometimes give me detention because I wasn't paying attention in class. But he'd make me come in and say, Mindy, you need to learn these things. So shout out for Mr. Ryan. Great teacher. Great guy.
1: Sounds like a very patient guy. Um, Let's go on to the second resource that we have here. If you are also thinking about starting out with coding in your classroom, I think it would be remiss not to mention code.org, which is a great website and a great program that is funded by all kinds of um, technology companies and important people and charitable organizations. It's a great way to get started with um, coding in the classroom. They have, um, curriculums for, I think, K through eight now, at least, to introduce coding in your classroom. Well, we actually have a, a guy from the University of Northern Iowa called Ben Schaefer, Dr. Ben Schaefer, who comes down and does uh, some workshops with teachers, um, for the code.org organization. So it's a really easy, super, um, nice package program that teachers can use to get started with coding. So we, we like code.org, and everything on that website works on every device, I believe. So it of makes it a great multi-platform option.
0: Yeah, and if you've heard of Hour of Code that's usually run um, in December, that's usually uh, code.org is usually what's what um, where you find the information for Hour of Code. But even if you know December's passed and you're still looking to do some coding, it's not too late. You can still hop on there. Materials are all still there, still ready. I think this last year's theme was Minecraft. So um, it's an easy way to get kids started, and you don't even have to have the Minecraft app. It has all this stuff there, so it's a good one.
1: I feel like we need a sound effect every time Mindy says Minecraft.
0: I know. Do you notice I'm not musical, but do you notice sometimes I sing things? It's because (laughs) I want to be a rock star still. Jeez. Jeez. And you had
1: to settle for a podcast star instead. Yeah, it's all right. All right, number three. Is um,
0: Scratch. And Scratch is also a website and um, an app as well. And uh, does a lot of what we call... Uh, drag and drop. So what a drag and drop is, is it gives you the commands and you click on the commands and drop it into um, the menu and everything kind of clicks together. It's really user-friendly. It has um, this little cat character that is cute and cuddly and um, it's just a kind of a fun way to get kids introduced um, even at a young age to um, coding. So that's a great one. Cross-platform, you can use it with any device.
1: Yep, I like Scratch for sure. I also like uh, the fourth one we have on our list here, which is Codecademy. Now, it's kind of a a break from those drag-and-drop blocks that you'll find in things like Scratch and Tinker and Codable and and those kind of things because this takes it into, um, I don't want to say like a real programming language, but you are are dealing with the actual um, programming commands and everything here um, because you can learn things like JavaScript, PHP, Python, Ruby, HTML, and CSS, all these programming languages that you may have heard about and maybe wondered, hey, I wonder how hard that is. So Codecademy.com lets you take these interactive lessons for free, and they have a a really nice um, interface for this. I've done a a few courses on here. On the left-hand side is where you, you write the code, and on the right they show you a live preview of, of what that does so that if you make a change to the code on one side, you instantly see that change on the other side. So it's nice to see that, you know, a live preview. Um, it's all badged and gamified as well. So, you know, you get points for leveling up and doing more things and all your progress is saved online on the website. So definitely check out Code Academy if you have not seen that one before.
0: All right, and my last one kind of goes with um, yours, and that is Thimble by Mozilla. And um, this one isn't new, but it's new to me, and it does some HTML coding. So um, if you go there, there's projects that have already been started, and then you can kind of go in and change those products by using this HTML code. Um, so it's kind of a neat way to get students past the um, drag-and-drop coding that we do so much with elementary students. I mean, this is definitely a higher level of coding, um, but it's right on the mm. web, so you can use it there. And I would definitely take a look at it and, um, you know, give it a try and maybe even give yourself a little bit of experience as far as how to do some of that HTML coding.
1: Fun fact, Mindy. Well, yes, not I love fun facts. Maybe not fun, but... Oh. Um, HTML is not a programming language It's not? It's a markup language
0: Okay, so explain the difference What's I
1: don't know if I know the difference But that's oh. something I learned when I went to a coding workshop um, In the not too distant past And the ML in HTML stands for markup language Which huh. is different from a programming language So um, people who know more about these things Could probably um, explain the differences more But I have since forgotten But there you go, something different
0: Yeah, huh, good to know
1: so, if you have any favorite coding resources, websites, apps, ideas, feel free to uh, send them to us at podcast at gwaea.org. And we'll mention those on the show next time.
0: All right. So, on to the main topic served to you piping hot today. We are going to be talking about iPad creation apps. And both of us iPad users, you more than me, but I used iPads in my classroom with my um, elementary students and have a great love for everything iPad. But we're not going to just stick to iPad. We did find some apps that could be used with your iPad device, but also um, are available across all platforms. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them, right?
1: Yeah, we'll point those out as we go, Uh, but I think this is one of those areas and which I hope is becoming a myth now, but of those people who look upon the iPad as largely a consumption device where you're consuming content as opposed to creating content. So we, we picked out some apps and a few different categories here. I think we've got three categories we're going to look at where they really do concentrate just on that creativity aspect and producing a product of value with, with your students. So let's start with um, some digital storytelling apps. I mean, there are a ton of those out there, and I think the iPad is really excels at digital storytelling because of the multimedia capabilities it has. We picked out some of our favorites, but, you know, there's definitely a whole bunch that we could talk about that aren't on this list.
0: What? And, you know, I never really liked the digital storytelling label.
1: Oh, right. Oh, yeah? Why not?
0: Well, because I just feel like it it like automatically goes with English language arts. Like that's where it goes in people's minds. And I think we often forget that we can use these same apps for math, for science, for social studies, although social studies and ELA stuff often go very hand in hand with one another. But I think um, when you're using some of these apps, think of outside the box that it's not just about sharing a story or telling a story or doing it as a presentation, but also that you can use it, um, to explain your thinking um, and using it in other ways than just ELA, wouldn't you agree that some t- that category sometimes does that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I don't, know, I don't know if there's a better term for it. I mean, they do get lumped in with with that term. Do you have an alternative phrase or expression you prefer to group them with?
0: Um, just creation apps. I just wish that they would just call them creation apps. But so if you ever see digital storytelling, though, that's I mean, you don't you don't hear. I mean, that's that's what they call it, digital storytelling. But I think it would be better just as a creation app. So let's stick with your label. Let's change
1: the world. I would say it's my label, but okay. Well no,
0: it's not your label. But our label for this or our title for this podcast is Creation Apps. And I feel like we should we should make a push. Let's stop calling it digital storytelling.
1: All right. From now on, world, <laughs> you heard it here first.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. All right. First one
1: I'm first one I'm going to talk about is called Adobe Slate, which is kind of a new app. Have you used that before, Mindy?
0: You know, I've um, looked at it just in the last couple of weeks, but I'm having a hard time remembering. It's um presentation, right? Like slides and stuff.
1: It's kind of a is digital right? storytelling app. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I classify that as digital storytelling. Oh yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, so Adobe <laughs> Slate is available for the iPad, but it is also available for the web. It became available on the web just kind of recently, and it lets you create these kind of interactive visual multimedia stories, kind of like a photo essay or just very elegant, straightforward um, storytelling mixture of images and text. There's some great themes on here that make it look very effortless and stylish so very simple and straightforward to do it does require an adobe account to get in here and make that work but
0: what's the collaboration tools on that is there anything that you can share it and have someone else work on it or not do you know
1: i don't think you can have other people work on it at yeah. the same time but it's definitely very shareable and easy to um, to share with other people
0: yeah. They're very striking. Like I, you know, the couple that I've looked at, they're very, they're just beautiful. It's just really different stuff. I don't know. It's yeah. Definitely.
1: And the nice thing about it is you don't really have to put a lot of effort into making it look beautiful. The the themes and everything that are on there are just styled really nice. Cause you know, Adobe has built his name on, on good design. That's what all their apps are based around a lot of the time. So yeah, you can see a lot of those examples in the app and, um, I really enjoy using this one and showing this one to teachers. Um, I think it's a good app That in terms of, you know, sometimes students spend forever playing with fonts and font sizes and colors and all that good stuff, which is great. I mean, that's I love that creative part of it, but sometimes it can be distracting. Yeah, yeah, and it can overtake, you know, the actual storytelling that they're doing. So this one is a little more restrictive in terms of you pick a theme and it picks the colors and everything else for you, so you know you don't get to play with all that. You mm-hmm. just got guaranteed colors that go well together. You've got you've got no ability to uh, mess it up, really. It's just yeah, pretty right. foolproof.
0: Yeah, hmm. that's a good one. Um, let's see. I my favorite one. I think my favorite app on the iPad that is considered a creation app. Who is probably it's a toss-up. I've got two, but I'm gonna go with ToonTastic
1: first. That's a good one.
0: My favorite. I the thing about ToonTastic is what I love about it most now is it's improved so much since it first came out. It's free and it is pretty powerful um, because it allows students to animate their story. And they can create their own characters or they can use characters. So if you're looking for a quick project, you can have the kids just use the characters that are already there. The characters move their arms, their legs. And now they've added this new like um, prototype so students can create their own character that has moving legs and arms. Works really well. So they, it gives them like an outline to kind of fill in with their with one arm and one leg and then it puts the whole puppet back together so that it makes all the pieces movable. They can um, create their own background. What I think is the neatest thing about it that I don't know that you're going to find in any other app, at least one that I know of on the top of my head is that you get to add background music to it and it allows you to choose the background music that's supposed to fit the mood of that yeah. scene in your story. I like that too. Oh Gosh, I love it. And then you get to choose the intensity of that emotion. So let's say you're feeling happy, but, you know, quietly happy. Then the music plays a little bit slower, but it's still upbeat music. But if you're super excited, the music like skyrockets and is like rushing around. Happy, happy, happy.
1: Yeah. And I think the, my favorite part of Toontastic is the built-in story arc that it comes with, especially for those younger kids in terms of it really scaffolds the storytelling experience. It's not just, there you go. Start telling a story, make it up as you go along. It starts with like a, a, an an introducing the scene. And then there's a, a voiceover where the lady tells you what you should talk about in this part. And then there's, you know, it develops a, through to like a problem and a solution and an ending and you can add different parts into that as well there's also a really handy teacher's guide that gives you some prompts as to what to talk about at different points during an app and i've given that to um teaching assistants before when they're working with students just as a guide to to help them too okay another of my favorite ipad apps for digital storytelling or creation thanks, Mindy, Yes. for our creation is the Book Creator app. And I like this for a number of reasons. It's available for iPad, it's available for Android, and you can also get it in the Windows Store now, so it's available for Windows devices. It is kind of more like a traditional ebook type of format, where you flip through the pages and you mark up some different things on the page, but I like the flexibility in terms of the amount of options you have for putting things on here. So you can put text on a page you can put images on a page you can record audio and put that on a page so sometimes I've seen kids um, write out their story and you know these read aloud books where you press the button and it it reads the story back Well, they record the spoken words on the page so that you know younger kids could tap on the microphone and hear the the book read to them so that's kind of neat you can add videos into your book creator books and lots of good export options for sharing that project out with other people. So this is one that you could take the whole project and you could save it up to Google Drive and share that Google Drive file so that other kids could bring down that file and work on it. It's a favorite of the Apple Distinguished Educators and people who are fond of iPads in the iPad world. It lets you choose, I don't know, portrait, square and landscape ones. They even introduced this fantastic new feature here where you can create comics. Inside oh i didn't know Inside. that yeah that's a recent one where you can have um it's got like a comic storyboard built in there for you mm. and some comic well, i like that that's so,
0: yeah i like that now that's fun. my only thing about book creator do you want to hear what it is first of all i really like that you can export them to iBooks yes right i like that did you mention that or not did i miss it i
1: did not know but you can
0: yeah i like that but it's not free
1: well, yeah, it's not a free app. Uh, you can no. they have a free version, I believe, where you can create one book and test it out. One book, and then you have out.
0: to export it, and then you start over again. Is yes. that how it works, or is it? Yeah, yeah. That's my only thing about
1: it. It's really a try before you buy type of thing, but it, yeah. it's one of those apps. I think that if you are going to pay for any apps, I think this would be a good one to pay for.
0: That's a good one. So the one I have is kind of similar to it um, to Book Creator, except mine's free and. I just happened to come across it. I've never heard anybody else ever talk about it. So that's why I'm going to share it today. And it's called Little Bird Tales. And um, this is across um, platforms as well. So it's uh, um, online or as an app. And it does pretty much the same thing that book creator does. So you can add your voice. You can draw your own pictures. You can import pictures, text, all of those things. Puts it together in a book. And then um, you can share it with families. I think you can even publish them um, publicly to... Um, the website so that you can share it with others and things like that. And it has lessons um, that you can, that are also tied to the common core. So that one is free and I suggest looking at it. I think it's kind of a neat little app. I think it's really, really user-friendly for young kids. Like I, sent that suggestion to um, my son's kindergarten teachers just because I thought this one is super simple. It's very intuitive and I can see um, even really young kids using it with independently without a lot of direction from the teacher.
1: Yeah, so. I think you're right. I think that's one of those ones where you maybe don't hear that one talked about as often as maybe you should. So yeah, that's a good one to talk about.
0: All right. So not that we're going to talk about these very long, but Another quick one that you think people should check out on their own? What do you got?
1: If you like the Adobe Slate idea and maybe want a little bit more flexibility or some options, um, I like Office Sway, which is a Microsoft app. You can do very much the similar type of deal with um, Office Sway. I'd take a look at that, especially if you're a Microsoft school. Um, It works on iPhone, iPad, Windows Store app, and it also works on the web, and it is 100% free.
0: Yeah, and I think I just saw a blog post or something about um, somebody using Office Sway in Seesaw, so
1: mm, interesting.
0: interesting connection between those two. Yep. Um, one that I would tell people to check out, um, whoo, it's tough, but I'm going to go with oh, Tell a Story. Yeah. That one's a fun one because um, it's, uh, it's very creative, so you um on the screen you get to the kids like their their faces on the screen but there's also like a costume that goes over their face
1: it's kind of like virtual reality type of it is know, augmented so check, reality i think yeah. is more accurate
0: oh check that one out for sure that's a fun one kids are going to kids love that one that's a good one
1: Yeah, and Chatterpicks is one that's very simple and easy and straightforward to pick up and go. That's, you know, you take a picture of something and you can make it talk, which is, you know, and you can do it in like 30 seconds. Anybody can do that one. That's super, super easy. I like that one. Yeah, me
0: too. All right.
1: What about Shadow Puppet? Have you tried that one?
0: Oh, Shadow Puppet's my second favorite.
1: Oh, you didn't talk about Shadow Puppet, your second favorite? I
0: know, I I had to choose. I couldn't talk about all of them.
1: We can't do that. I love
0: Shadow Puppet, but check that one out. Check that one out too.
1: We could have done a whole episode on digital storytelling apps.
0: You're right. We could. We we wouldn't call it that,
1: though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Let's talk about some photo and video apps before we uh, go on too long here. Photo and video apps, my favorite uh, one right now, I think. One of my favorite ones, anyway, is Adobe Voice. Is that one you've used much before, Mindy?
0: I haven't ever used Adobe Voice ever in my life.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah, really. So this is from the Adobe stable again that we talked about Adobe Slate before. So Adobe Voice, very straightforward, easy way to create digital stories. Um, I think the nice thing about it is you can type in, you know, and a title for your for your story and then they give you all these options kind of prompts to help you get started so you know is your story a tell what happened story, is it a hero's journey, is it a personal growth, are you are trying to teach a lesson and you can just do a custom one where you make up your own one too. They've got these built in themes and you can add pictures, you can add, it's got this amazing bank of images that you can pull from inside the Adobe Cloud where, you know, these icons you can search for, you can search for a picture of like anything and it will give you that. And you just hold down the record button and you talk over it and you do that for like multiple slides. And at the end, it just stitches it all together in a nice video with your choice of music. And one of the best things about it, I think, is it cites all the sources at the end on a title slide automatically for you.
0: Love digital citizenship.
1: Yeah, they get bonus points for that one. For sure, They do,
0: that is bonus points. So how do you share it?
1: So it can be shared to your camera roll, um, uh-huh. which means you can put it anywhere you want, basically. Yeah. You can share it on social media, and you can share a link to it um, by email. Um, it publishes it to the web, basically, um, if you don't share it to your camera roll. But I love that one, too.
0: Um, was When you made uh, the Digital Learning Institute video, mm-hmm. is that what you used, was Adobe Voice?
1: That's what I used Adobe Voice for that one. Oh,
0: yeah. I might put that in our show notes so people can see it. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: We have a professional development opportunity coming up at Grantwood here in the fall that we are offering for teachers called the Digital Learning Institute. And I made a short trailer for that with Adobe Voice. So you can see that in the show notes.
0: All right, so Adobe Voice. I'm gonna go with my number one is probably iMovie.
1: I think that's just a, yeah, it's just a universe. You have to use iMovie, don't you? Yeah. It's
0: just a given, right? I feel silly even talking about it because I think, you know, everybody who uses an iPad hopefully has at least gotten in there. If you're kind of scared by iMovie, thinking, holy cow, I'm not making movies and all of the trimming and the clipping and the laying of sound over top of video or whatever, where I would begin and where I always started with my um, young students is in the iMovie trailers. And the iMovie trailers give you like an outline, um, of the pictures and the text. And all you have to do is just insert photos. And it even tells you what kind of photos you need. Is it just a solo shot? Is it going to be a shot of the whole group? Um, So that's what's nice about it is it tells you exactly what you're going to need and then it puts it all together for you in this nice little iMovie trailer. The kids, I think, are shocked by the time they're done and actually view it like, holy cow, I made something that looks really professional that you would see for a movie. So fun. So if you're looking to, you know, kind of play with iMovie but are a little bit nervous about it, that is definitely where I would begin.
1: Do you remember that ad that Apple ran at Christmas of uh, it looked like a kid who was playing on his phone or his iPod the whole time and not interested in any of the other activities that were going around? And then just at the end of the commercial, they flipped it and he airplayed his his movie to the TV and he'd been actually filming everybody and putting all these things together. Do you ever see that commercial? No. Oh, it was a real tearjerker. You, you would have liked it. Aww. But uh, he used iMovie just to, he looked like he was playing on his phone all this time, playing games or texting. But what he was really doing was taking pictures and recording video of everything else that was going around him. And I thought it, was a, it was a great ad for yeah.
0: iMovie. Um, I also used iMovie, this isn't going to sound very professional, but um, just when I was doing some instructional videos for my students, I just throw it in iMovie. What I liked about it is that you could just stop the video and pick it back up, you know, and pause it. And then um, I didn't do any of the fancy schmancy stuff with iMovie that it offers. It just was a nice way of me to edit a quick video for my students. So um, even if you're not looking for something with your kids, it's something that you can use personally as well, you know.
1: Great app and uh, available for the iPad or the Mac. Right. And another great app I'm going to talk about very briefly is Green Screen by Doink, which is one of our favorites.
0: Oh, I wanted to talk about Green Screen.
1: Uh, well, you can talk about it as well, Mindy,
0: you know. I, know. I know. I wanted it to be mine.
1: It's one of our favorites from uh, the the work we do with teachers here at Grant Wood, just because of the instant wow factor you get from putting somebody in front of a green screen. And you can send your kids anywhere in time or space, past, present or future, anywhere in the world or... I don't know, outside the world, you can put them in space or in strange, unknown places, if you want, using uh, the magic of green screen. So this app lets you take green screen photos or do green screen videos. And yeah, it's two ninety nine, but it's it's worth investing in because it's very creative, very fun. And you don't need a whole lot of extra equipment. I mean, people think, well, we don't have a green screen. I've seen teachers, like, cover the inside of pizza boxes with green paper and and make make it work. You know, post a paper on the wall, paint a wall green. All of that stuff works.
0: Yeah, I think we should do an episode about just green screen. We should put that in a list of ideas. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, although it does have that fun factor and that instant wow factor, you know, I think, you know, it's it's sometimes easy to forget about the story element. And Mm -hmm. it's important to concentrate on, you know, We're not just doing something that looks cool. We're, you know, telling a great story here and green screen enhances that as opposed to, you know, replaces that. But I love it, green screen by doing.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. All right, so I guess my next one I think is going to be ThingLink. And um, the reason I chose ThingLink, I think... As a teacher, I never used it, but I wish I would have. I wish, um, I mean, and I remember even looking at it and being like, oh, I should really get started on this. But I just never, I was just using different ways to kind of share information. So the way ThingLink works is you take an image and um, you make the image interactive. So you put these little buttons on top of the image um, and link those little buttons to different types of media Um, have this great program that our AEA has purchased for all of our teachers, which is called Define STEM. Um, If you're interested in learning more about Define STEM and are in the Grantwood area, please, please email me. I'd love to get you some more information about it. But anyway, we made a thing link out of Amber's sketch notes about Define STEM. And then in each little part of her sketch note, we added a button that would tell you more about Define STEM or told some of the data about why it's important to have students reading nonfiction um, text. And so it's a great way to kind of, if you're doing some research and I was always with younger students kind of worried about my, you know, them just searching for information themselves. So it'd be a great way to uh, kind of point them in the right direction of where they should be.
1: Yeah. And Amber, um, took a picture of uh, a lot of our Makerspace equipment recently and she she made a ThingLink of that because people are always asking, hey, where do, what do you have and where did you get this from and where can I find out more information about this? So she took a picture of all our Makerspace equipment and, you know, had those ThingLink hotspots on top that people could click on, see a video or click on a link and go see some lesson ideas or get some more information about. So lots of interesting ways you can use ThingLink. Link is available for the iPad. It's available for Android and you can also use it on the web. So it's another one of those multi-platform creation apps. I'll just give a, a quick shout out to um, an app that I don't think always gets a whole lot of attention. That's TouchCast for the I iPad. I I don't know this one.
0: You tell know can Touchcast? you tell me just a little bit about it because I don't know anything about it. I
1: haven't heard it. Uh, TouchCast is a kind of all-in-one way to shoot broadcast and edit um, video. It lets you overlay some of these virtual apps like you can overlay like a a map or a website or a twitter feed on top of your video so really interactive way to enhance videos it's got all these built-in template titles and things like that on there they've got like a green screen news studio one where you can like sit in a new studio and it looks like you're at a news broadcaster's desk with all this fancy equipment and everything around you but it's not it's just all a It's all an illusion. So TouchCast is only available on the iPad, but it's extremely creative and very free.
0: All right, I just added it to my iPad because now I really want to check it out.
1: Yeah, and if you want a more cross-platform example, Stop Motion Studio is one that we (sighs) like to look at too. It's available for the iPad. It's available for Mac, Android, and Windows Store. So it's a really good one. If you want to do Stop Motion on basically any device you could think about, It's uh, it's a great one to start with. I think Chromebooks are the only one that get left out of the Stop Motion Studio Party.
0: Well, okay, so there are some other apps, though, that don't necessarily fit into, well, I don't know. They kind of fit into these categories, but maybe not, I don't know.
1: You know what category they fit into? They fit into the creation apps category. Yes,
0: right, but not necessarily, I don't know, because the one I want to talk about is Minecraft, and I feel like it could still go into the digital storytelling yeah, I think bit.
1: there's definitely some overlap with with yeah. many of these apps. Yeah. We don't want to pigeonhole them too much, but right, tell us agreeing. about Minecraft.
0: Yeah, so um, as maybe you know now, listeners, we I'm looking into Minecraft a little bit, and um, hopefully we're going to do an episode on Minecraft when I learn a little bit more and could actually talk about it without being a little bit worried that I'm getting it all wrong. But We're going to um, call that
1: episode Jonathan Learns Minecraft.
0: Yes. Oh, that's a good <laughs> name. I like that name. <laughs> So the cool thing about Minecraft is um, that students get to go in and create their own world. So when you go in, there's a world that's automatically generated for you, and every world is different from um, another world. So you could generate world after world, and each time they're going to be a little bit different. It's probably not quite like a fingerprint, but, you know, um, different every time you go in. And then they learn how to create things by harvesting, harvesting sounds kind of like, a, not I don't know. Harvesting seems, a, that's the word they use though, but it always to me sounds like harvesting organs. It's not quite like that.
1: It doesn't sound so good.
0: I know. Doesn't it kind of sound a little harsh? Although, yeah. Um, but so they go in and they use the resources that the world gives them um, to create other things. So they might chop wood and then with a wood create planks and with planks create sticks and with sticks create a bow and arrow. And um, there's some math involved because you have to have so many of these things, certain items to make another item. Um, They can create buildings. Um, I've seen videos of whole classes working together to create a neighborhood. Um, It just really, to me, I get in there and I think, holy cow, if I was a kid, I mean, even as an adult, I'm a little bit addicted that I get to, you know, go in and just create my own world. And I like to be in the creation world where there's no like monsters or things like that. But um, it just, it gives kids the opportunity just to go in and build and it's not pigeonholed to follow rules or you have to do this to level up. It's, it's just not really like that. It's just about going in and using your imagination and uh, making that image in your head come to life on your screen.
1: Yeah, Mindy brought in some iPads at our last team meeting when we all met together. And yeah, you didn't build anything. All to, you did
0: was blow things up.
1: Well, you know, I, got, <laughs> I was getting a little confused with different things. I was like, I was floating at one point. I said, okay. how did I get up here? And she's like, "Yo, you're floating. I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> and I then wandering that, around. Man. And we were all supposed to be in the same world somewhere, but I couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> and I, I really got confused, so <laughs> I did start blowing things up.
0: Yeah, the first uh, time you're in... Maybe even the first 10 times you're in, it's a little confusing. But after that, it all kind of starts to make sense.
1: All right, well thinking about things that make more sense, or at least more <laughs> sense to me, um, another app that we put down here I think would be remiss not to talk about is Explain Everything. Sure. And this is a, an app that is much more cross-platform than it used to be. It started off as an iPad app, but you can now get it on Android, you can get it in the Windows Store, and you can even get it for Chromebooks. So it's definitely branching out more. It's a screencasting app. It's an app that teachers could use to create lessons uh, for their students to watch in a kind of flipped classroom scenario or as a demonstration but it's also an app that students can use to demonstrate what they know and because it was originally an iPad app I think that's the uh, probably the best platform that I've, I've seen it run on unless you do all kinds of creative things It lets you like bring in a website and annotate over a website while talking about it and it's a live website that you can click through and, and move through you can also you know, bring in videos and annotate over videos. You can bring in pictures. You've got this whiteboard and all these pen tools. you got an extremely large number of sharing options. You can save it to the camera roll. You can put it to cloud services. You can send it to any number of different places. You know, the world is your oyster with explain everything in terms of screencasting. I know there are free ones out there like Show Me and um edgy creations Mm -hmm. although a lot of those have got in-app purchases and things but i think the granddaddy of them all is explain everything yeah
0: i agree that's a good one um let's see another one um in the other category how about oh you know what I, i like um i'm gonna go with how about canva
1: yeah canva's a great one
0: what I like, I um, haven't used the Canva app, so I'm not sure. I use it on the web more than, um, I mean, like I said, I haven't used it on the iPad. But what I like about Canva is that it creates these really eye-catching. Um, I don't know. I guess you can consider them posters, right? I don't know. Yeah. What a poster, right? Is that the? I don't know
1: graphics of yeah, different graphic, kinds thank you. Kind that's of, the
0: word i should have used yeah there have all
1: kinds of templates for like posters or business cards or yeah. twitter headers or facebook posts or any of that stuff and i know you say you haven't used the ipad app very much but yeah. it looks almost identical to the web is so it really you get on you would get on really well it's laid out exactly the same way
0: yeah um but it just you know there's this color schemes and there's font that goes with the theme and it's just I don't know. I think it's really simple to use and pretty intuitive. There are some um, in-app purchases that, you know, you can use if you find a theme that you really have to have. I mean, they're only like a dollar. So if you really, you might not want to your, have your students, you know, <laughs> using those consistently. But if you yourself are using something, you're like, I really need to have this theme. I mean, a dollar is not a lot to spend. It's nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be completely honest, I've looked at some of their themes before and thought, that is an awesome idea, I'm going to yeah. recreate that and just use a different picture, and then I don't have to pay the dollar for it. No. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like Canva too, it's um, very addictive, and you know, you look like a graphic designer after you've made yeah, something in Canva. Right. People are like, you're a Photoshop wizard, and you're like, well, I did it in well, Canva. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just don't tell people you did Fingers it in Canva. Crossed, you yeah. just say, yep, I'm a Photoshop <laughs> wizard, yeah. Um. I also like... Oh, well, also,
0: what are you going to say?
1: I'm going to say Opinion podcast. Oh, shocker, shocker. I know. We did the last episode on podcasting with students, so I'll just give them a very quick plug again. If you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to that one. We talk about how you could use podcasting in the classroom with students, and one of the great apps for doing that is Opinion Podcasts. It lets you record your podcast Bring in music from other apps. You can edit it, trim out parts you don't like. Mindy and I are always making mistakes on the podcast. So, you know, editing out a podcast it is a great option to have. And then lets you share it and, you know, you can share your podcast to iTunes from uh, Opinion Podcast. So it gives you that RSS feed you can do. So definitely check that one out. It is free and very nice. Um Maybe just give a shout-out for um, an app I found recently. I'm not skilled enough to use it, but there's one called UMake. Have you seen that one before, Mindy? No,
0: I, I haven't, no.
1: You, you know, if you're into any of that computer uh, design stuff, and all the, those CAD programs, it's kind of a powerful app for doing those 3D models and sketching, and it's got a lot of built-in features where it will, like, you know, autocomplete or straighten your lines, and, and you can just, you know, tilt and... St- pan around a 3d object it's free-ish it's one of those things i think you have to subscribe to after a certain number of design drawings and things like that but um all those autodesk apps for the ipad are also well worth a look at too
0: all right so um doing a toss back as long as we're talking about other things that we um other topics we've discussed prior to um our third episode, I believe, Amber Bridge came in and talked about sketchnoting, um, and I was at, at Camp Iowa on uh, the middle of February and was talking with Marily DeWitt. She is a teacher at Regis Middle School here in Cedar Rapids, and she showed me paper 53, and um, it's great for sketchnoting, and she is having her students use it to create these beautiful drawings. Um, you can have, you can also, if I remember correctly, have students collaborate. So they might create a page with their notes or their drawing or, um, you know, whatever it is that they have created and put all of them together like into like a slide deck kind of so that you can see all of them as a beautiful presentation and share those out. Um, and it's got lots of great drawing tools. I mean, you could sit for hours and play with it. So check out Paper Fifty Three if you're really getting into sketch noting and kind of want to um, check it out. You can just use your finger uh, to draw with, or she had some different um, utensils with, like the I don't know, you know what their names are or what they were, but you know special tools that she used to actually draw on her screen. So if you really get into it, um, you can kind of look some of those things up, and definitely something to look into if you yeah. are looking. To you know, use sketch notes in your classroom.
1: Yeah, for sure. When I when that app first came out, it was uh, you got like the pencil for free or something. Then you had to buy a paintbrush, and then you had to buy the marker. But all of those tools are free now. So if you haven't used it for a little while, go back and take a look. Great for sketch noting. I even saw somebody um, at a conference instead of using PowerPoint or Google Slides. They did their slides in Paper Fifty Three. They drew out their slides and oh, just wow. went from one page to the next. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, another app like that. We've done some Adobe apps on the show. If you want to try Adobe Draw for the iPad, that is also a, a decent sketch note app too. Very decent actually.
0: So if you have a favorite creation app that we did not mention today and think that it deserves a shout out, please let us know, and we would be happy to uh, share it with our listeners. All right, on to my favorite part of the show, Tech Nuggets. I'm going to go first today since last time you made such a big deal about you having to go first. What? Take that. Go for it. All right, so mine's kind of a funny one because it actually has something to do with you, Jonathan.
1: Am I going to have to edit this out later, Mindy?
0: No, you don't have to edit it out. Jeez.
1: All right, go ahead.
0: Have a little have a little faith in your friend. I, last week, received this amazing gift from you, and I don't even think you realize that you gave me this amazing gift.
1: I don't realize, but go on.
0: So uh, last week we were sitting in our team meeting and we were having a uh, competition with slide deck because we're looking at um, creating a unified slide for the whole team. Anyway, that's beside the point because I put a picture of Ryan Gosling on my slide deck
1: and you... Oh, I know where this is going.
0: You shared this special gift with me that is called the Hey Girl Chrome extension. And what happens when you install this magical little tool is that when you click on it, every picture, and I mean every picture, on your screen turns into a different picture of Ryan Gosling.
1: Is that a good thing?
0: Yes. Come on. Come on. I've even gone back to it. Like it wasn't even, it was like a party favor at the time of the meeting. But I've even like gone back and like, I just need a little Ryan Gosling right now. And what I love, what I thought was the funniest thing about it is when I was in my Google Doc, like, you know, you see everybody who's in that Google Doc. So everyone on the team has their own little icon up in the right-hand corner. And each one of them turned into a different Ryan Gosling. And one of them, and one of them, one of them was even a GIF.
1: That was the funniest part.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Hey, girl, Chrome extension, Tech Nugget. Not educational, not at all, but it might get you through the day when you just need that little special um, little special smile in your life.
1: That extension has been around for a while. I was reminded of it recently when I was listening to Check This Out with Ryan and Brian. They had it as one of their picks, so that's why it was the, the forefront of my mind during that last meeting we had. Another fun one is called Do It with Shia LaBeouf and every so often he will just pop out on your screen and shout do it and so that's kind of a motivational type thing but yeah that uh hey girl extension is is hard to beat that's a good one mindy
0: All right, so you're up. Can you can you tap the My Girl, Girl extension?
1: (laughs) I don't think there's any topping that at all. That should have been a big finish, Mindy.
0: (laughs) That should have been the grand finale.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So my nugget is related to something that I get asked about quite a lot during presentations or conferences and things. Every so often, someone will come up and ask me, how did you do that? And I'll say, do what? And they're like, zoom in and out of your screen like that. So this is something that is available for all devices to do and I'm not talking about just zooming in on a web page here, I'm talking about zooming in on your entire screen. So I put together a blog post for this which we can share in the show notes but just very quickly, if you have a Windows machine you can hold down the Windows key and use plus and minus to zoom in and out. On a Mac you can hold down command and the option key and then plus and minus to zoom in and out. And on a Chromebook, you need to turn on something in the accessibility settings because all of these are really meant for visually impaired people who might be using a computer. So if you go into the accessibility settings on a Chromebook, once you enable that, you hold down the control and the alt key and you can use brightness up and down to zoom in and out. You can also scroll up and down with two fingers to do that too. And on the iPad, this option exists too. So have you ever done this on an iPad, Mindy?
0: Um, no, I, not in the way that you're talking about. I mean, you can always zoom in, but are you talking about just like a specific part of the screen, right?
1: Yeah, I'm talking about really zooming in. If you just want to show like one app icon on your screen, you want to zoom right into that. So yeah, you can do that. It's not like the pinch and zoom thing. It's, it's double tapping with three fingers once you turn it on. So On the iPad, you also need to go into the Accessibility Settings. You go to Settings, General, Accessibility, and you'll see an option in there to turn Zoom On. Once you turn Zoom On, you are double tapping with three fingers to activate the Zoom. They also have this uh, Zoom Controller that you can turn on to, a visual on-screen one to remind you but very useful for the classroom when you're dealing with projectors that may be not quite big enough for all the students to be able to see. Or if you're out doing uh, professional development with teachers, great to be able to zoom in and out of your screen.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that takes us to the end of the podcast. We very much appreciate you tuning in. We've heard from all kinds of awesome people who are listening to the podcast, and we appreciate all the feedback we get. So you can find us on social media. You can email us, podcast at gwaea.org. You can use our hashtag, EdTechTO. Until next time.
0: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
1: For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.